Okay, cool. Hey, everyone. How's it going out there in uh, podcast land? We are back for yet another episode of questions like this. And we're for this week, we're doing a very, very topical topic, so to speak. We are talking about the Winter Olympics, or more specifically, Winter Olympic sports. Now, I know what you're thinking, but wait, didn't the Winter Olympics already happen? Didn't didn't they end like, you know, a, a month or two ago? Yes, we know they did. But shut up. This is our podcast and we can talk about whatever the hell we want. Yeah. And um, I guess there's not really too much um, films about the Winter Olympics. Uh, but, you know, there, there's quite a handful. And uh, some of them are even... It genuinely entertaining, um, which is uh, more than can be said about the actual Winter Olympics. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, I have a feeling if you go to uh, just any 10 random people on the street and ask them to name a Winter Olympian besides Sean White or Lindsey Vaughn, they probably wouldn't do it. Yeah, I guess um, I guess people are... are, are before the movie came out i guess people are still familiar were still familiar with tanya harding and well i guess now she's going to be back in the spotlight because of the movie and um yeah i guess that's a call from um the tanya harding's lawyer for defamation or something <laughs> that, that probably was maybe it was from her herself you yeah. never know but <laughs> yeah. but uh she definitely uh is back in the spotlight after 20 years it seems like people are now trying to take the biggest stories from 1994 and turn them into uh either movies or tv shows we saw that with the uh with the oj miniseries about a yeah. couple years back and the documentary that followed mm-hmm. now we have i tanya yeah um which i guess inevitably inevitably this means there's a there's going to be a columbine movie coming oh no um uh, yeah well i guess death wish is a columbine movie yeah it's um it's the same it's the same threads and um you know i i'm, I'm all for people making movies or remakes uh if that's what they want to do and like like i'm in the camp of like you know i'm i'm sick of remakes but right at this point in time, uh, people choose to remake Death Wish, which is the ultimate in white male power fantasy. Yeah, pretty much. It's the movie where conservatives love to cream themselves just watching it. Yeah, which which also presents this <laughs> this interesting um, thing on Twitter where people are saying, like, I'm going to sell out the theater to watch Death Wish to own the libs. And I'm like, you're aware this is made by hollywood right (laughs) um not the original film the original 1974 film was made by a british director Mm -hmm. who was very 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 conservative it was based off a a book yeah and the book actually at the end had a very very strong anti-gun message but in the movie it's like yeah fuck it's like yeah fuck that uh charles bronson is gonna go around killing everybody yeah um, and we're getting a little bit sidetracked, but, you know, um, I think we'll probably discuss Death Wish in another episode, but I think the original also kind of had like that, 
I guess, folly of like Charles Bronson eventually like killing random people because like he never actually avenges his family. I know, and they just and in the sequel they kill his family even more. Yeah, <laughs> it's oh, <laughs> sad as it is. They made oh god, they made five sequels. Yeah, out of that. Well, um, you know, um, once Hollywood figures out there's a market for something, they they will not hesitate to pump uh, the sequel machine. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and you can thank the uh, lovely people at Canon Films for that, for all the Death Wish sequels. Yes, Uh, we did talk about uh, Death Wish briefly in our canon episode, which is our second ever episode and hard mm-hmm. to believe we're doing the tw- the 23rd one, uh, with this one. Uh-huh. I yeah. know we've been around for that long. <clears throat> yeah. So I, Tanya is the latest in, uh, winter Olympics films and obviously based on the infamous, um, attack on Nancy Kerrigan uh, and the life Mm -hmm. of Tanya Harding. Uh, You know, as a movie, it's entertaining and um, Mm -hmm. uses a lot of of black comedy. Um, It's filmed in kind of like a mockumentary style where um, the actors also portray the quote-unquote modern-day versions of of the real people. Um, uh-huh. I did enjoy uh, pretty pretty much the main characters, uh, Margot Robbie as uh, Tanya Harding. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, she's a she's a pretty good actress. No, I, it's amazing how well she basically absorbs, be, or basically becomes Tanya Harding. Yeah. It is, it's not. It's one of those roles where you say, "Oh yeah, that's definitely her." Not just, "Oh, that's just you know." Margot Robbie playing Tanya Harding. Yeah. And um, Allison Janney as uh, Lavana. Oh. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's like, take every single, like, you know, show business parent yeah. and crank it up to, like, 50 million for, yeah. for Allison Janney. Yeah, she she's like uh, a mix between uh, if you if you people out there watch uh, BoJack Horseman, she's like a mix between Beatrice Sugarman and every stage mom ever made. <laughs> it's like like perpetually chain smoking and um, just a complete and utter well cunt to the to her daughter. <laughs> Pretty much. Um. And yeah, um, Sebastian Stan too is Jeff. Um, Galuli. Yeah. <laughs> what a name. Yes, that, that, I know, right? <laughs> How far back does that name go? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, he looks almost pretty much what I would expect the real Jeff Galuli to look like. Yeah. Like if you look like the mid to late 80s and early 90s with the. The, the out of place porn stash and the medium to kind of long uh, hair with all that uh, grease in it and the yeah. uh, obligatory turtleneck. Oh, of course. Um, it's a very, it's a very like 
late eighties, early nineties movie. And, um, it definitely shows in, well, pretty much everything except the music, I guess. The music was more like seventies. Yeah. Which, um, to be fair, is probably what the actual Tanya Harding liked. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to think. Oh yeah, look at that! You got some Fleetwood Mac in there. Yeah. Some Laura Laura Branigan, Dire Straits, Super Tramp, Com- Super Tramp, Dar- Doris Day. Yeah, Bad Company. Hard. Um, Susie and the Banshees. Susie and the Banshees. Yeah. Um. You got some ZZ Top in there. Hell yeah. Um, but. I don't know. I feel like this is one of those films where it's basically saying, yeah, as powerful performance that, that Margot Robbie gives, mm-hmm. it's basically trying to say, like, you know, feel bad for me, people. Feel bad that I grew, that I hired someone to gruesomely attack my uh, my main competitor. Yeah. Which brings me to, um, there was a movie about... Um, Nancy Kerrigan and Tanya Harding before, um, which also showed Nancy Kerrigan's side of the story. And in I, Tanya, she, she, she's less of a fleshed out character and more of like, I guess, an o- obstacle or like a, a set piece, basically. Oh, my God. Ah, uh, yeah. that Yeah. Yeah, because if the story's being told from Tanya Harding's perspective then yeah, of course she would see Nancy Kerrigan that way. Yeah. It's really, a, it's really a classic case of, you know, like she said, she said, Nancy Kerrigan tells her side of the story. Mm-hmm. Tanya Harding tells hers and you're, tr- you're struggling to try to find the middle ground. Yeah. Uh, the television film was called Tanya and Nancy, the inside story. Oh, wow. What a, <laughs> What a title that just that classic uh, 90s esque title that uh, never seemed to, yeah, never seemed to go away. <laughs> it comes back every it's now like and then. The inside, it's like the inside score story, the inside scoop, you know, all this behind the music. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, and it starred uh, the girl from uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I uh, mean Heather Heather Langenkamp. Yeah. Heather Langenkamp, yeah. <laughs> nice. Nice. Um So are we going to see more uh Movies like that in the future, like, are we gonna see a a movie about uh about Brian Boitano and his uh, exploits? Uh, if it's not in the pipeline, then um, the script's just not been written yet. <laughs> I I guess so. Yeah. I mean, after after South Park, basically, you know, deified him with the song yeah, yeah, what yeah. Brian Boitano do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um. Yeah, well, you know, the the 90s nostalgia is is riding pretty high. I mean, um the Super Nintendo uh classic sold out 
pretty much as soon as it was announced. <laughs> and um, yeah, like the weirdest things from the '90s are coming back. So um, yeah, yeah, we'll I... probably we'll probably see a lot more of um, not just '90s, but also like true story things being turned into movies because that's just like a really easy thing to make right <laughs> yeah what 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 also like i guess what what um people could also find uh i i guess what could rub people the wrong way is like you you know obviously it's a, it's a movie that focuses on tanya harding but like they they really tried to build her up as like a sympathetic like character or figure but it like it doesn't work right like she's consistently a piece of shit in the movie Uh, yeah (laughs) yeah yeah and i guess you know it's like semi-inspirational because like she comes from like a white trash background and like doing this hoity-toity sport but of course i mean that that, you know there is one way you can there is one way you can swing it that's in her favor like what you just described, it's like, you know, okay, you know, someone who it's like someone who doesn't normally fit the bill for what a figure skater is supposed to look like, yeah. you know, comes into the sport and takes it by storm, starts racking up win after win after win, mm-hmm. while at the same time being disrespected because of her personality. Yeah. It's really a story of uh, hubris, but... um I mean, also, I, I guess if you want to talk about people that don't normally fit um, the figure ca- s- uh, skating stereotype, um, I guess, you know, back when the Soviet Union was around and when, uh, and I guess today, uh, China is like, basically, these children were taken from their parents and like sent to like state camp 75 uh-huh. for uh, the, the, uh, for the commissar's uh, skating division, and all they uh-huh. did was skate. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like they went to the Olympics at like you know nine or ten years old. It was ridiculous. Yeah, and like China still does like you know sketchy shit like that where they fudge up like a ten year old to be fifteen so they can compete in gymnastics. Right. Right, and Russia does that as well. Yeah, well, Russia, oh. Russia, Russia just does drugs. <laughs> oh, <laughs> here's something interesting I found out. Apparently, there's doping in curling. Yeah, which um, I guess no offense to our Canadian listeners, but what the, what the fuck even is curling? <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't begin. To tell you, I like it starts out at like as ice bowling, basically, like you're supposed to, you know, kind throw of throw like a th- something into a, uh, into a target and that gets points. But then there's like the sweeping. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, know. you know, these like dour faced uh, Russians or Finns and like they're sweeping the hell out of the ice. I know. <laughs> and like, it's is, so entertaining to watch. Yeah. But it, at the it, same time, 
like, like you just said, it's like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. Well, to be honest, that's that's pretty much how I feel about most winter sports. I guess the only thing I like I can actively watch in Winter Olympics is basically hockey. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <absolutely. laughs> yeah. Well, and I, I guess ice skating too, because that's like the gymnastics of Winter Olympics. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, you know what else is probably going to happen? What? It's probably going to be like a sex scandal of like ice skaters coming out pretty soon. Probably. Because absolutely the doctors would probably just like finger blast these ice skaters. The same as oh like Larry God. Nassar did with gymnasts. Uh, oh, God. I so- I swear, I I'm so happy this dude is rotting in prison for the rest of his life. Yeah, and also like, I I did I feel like the same thing also with um, the the whole Paterno Sandusky thing. Like I feel like this this happened like pretty much out in the open, and and also with yeah. like Me Too and like uh, child molestation uh-huh. in Hollywood, like. This has to have happened with like a hundred plus people knowing that it actually happens. Absolutely, absolutely. It was it was an open secret. The only the only people that didn't know about it was the press, yeah. or maybe they did, and they just chose to cover it up along with the you know the athletic commission, the schools, the uh, you know the IOC, the USOC. Um, yeah. Well, I guess uh, I, Tanya, does show, like, the psychological and physical abuse part, uh, but not uh, what I assume to be the sexual abuse that goes on. But, right. um, yeah, we talked about uh, <laughs> Lavana basically being, like, the ultimate stage mom and, like, um, just, like, actively gaslighting and, like, just treating her own daughter as, like, a piece of meat pretty much and um yeah uh jeff galuli um who vacillates between like you know kind of like a meek looking guy but also the type of guy that punches his wife yeah uh which probably is the actual type of person that would punch their wife probably yeah like the guy that you that you know well i like i guess like all these like um you know spousal abuse scandals like it's either uh people who run steroid cycles or just like mm-hmm. the most milk toast looking person that snaps <laughs> yeah and jeff with his like <laughs> straight out of boogie nights porn mustache and turtlenecks oh my <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they wore that many turtlenecks and boogie nights, though. Yeah, fair enough. But but the man, the mustache, it haunts my dreams. Oh, that mustache. Uh. <laughs> Mine too. <laughs> yeah, folks. Um, you see this movie, and then you know, like in Justice League, Henry Cavill's uh, upper lip is disturbing because they Photoshop, uh, like. Basically, a, a clean-shaven mouth on top of his, like, uh, mustache. This is, like, the opposite. 
Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just as alien and uh, uncanny. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay, well, let's just try and see. Let's just get away from that. Uh, from that ridiculous uh, mustache right now, and let's uh, or the Henry Cavill's weird upper lip, and let's move on to a to a, a movie that I know you've been dying to talk about for the longest time. Basically, the the impetus for us. Uh, creating this episode and a movie we watched back in the day and still thoroughly enjoy, you know, today. Yeah. It's classic. Uh, it is a classic underdog story and it's, oh, a, it really and it's is. a classic uh, based on a true story movie. And by which I mean, everything that happens in the <laughs> film n- didn't actually happen. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Pretty much. We are talking about the legendary Disney masterpiece known as Cool Runnings. Feel the rhythm. Feel the rhyme. Get on up. It's bobsled time. Cool Runnings. Yeah. (laughs) I love this film. I Mm. absolutely love this film. I know it's inaccurate as hell, but I love it. That's one of my um, favorite actors, John Candy. Uh, may he rest in peace. Yeah, it's it's sad, man. He, he was in a he was in a few of my favorite movies as a kid. Um, Me too. Planes, Trains, and Automobile. Mm-hmm. Um, cool Runnings. Uncle Buck. Uncle Buck, dude. That's uh, that's a bona fide classic. Spaceballs, of course. Absolutely. Rookie of the year. Rookie of the year. <laughs> yeah, plays the uh, the sportscaster. Yeah, yeah. The broadcaster. <laughs> um, man. Sad Ed. Uh, yeah. <laughs> sad. But. Sad story. Yeah. But, uh, Cool Runnings, he plays basically the, he's a coach. He's a coach of. Jamaica's first ever bobsled team. And this actually happened in the 1988 Olympics. That's right, in Calgary. Yeah. And uh, I guess, you know, generally takes um, generally takes inspiration from what actually happened. Uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> no, basically, no. What you see in the film is basically the opposite of what actually happened. What you see in the film is like you know, they're you know they're stared at, they are disrespected, they are they're disrespected pretty much by everybody there. They're not given that much of a chance, and of course they don't they don't necessarily come out triumphant like a lot of other you know inspirational uh, hero like underdog team movies but by the end they've won the respect of uh the entire uh not only the entire crowd but also all the former bad guys and you know people who have been treating them like shit their entire lives yeah um they did actually crash in uh in real life 
but uh-huh. you know um what happens in the movie did not happen uh with them you know well, carrying their, carrying their uh bobsled uh and like to rousing applause that didn't happen I mean, they were given a rousing applause, but yeah. they just walked to the finish line. They didn't actually yeah. carry the sled. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, we're we're getting ahead of ourselves. So, uh, basically, <laughs> um, in the movie, this is a story of Doris Bannock, Sanka Coffee, Junior Bevel, and uh, Yul Brenner, not to be confused with the actual Yul Brenner. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and yeah, uh, John Candy's Irv Blitzer. That's right. The, uh, fictional coach. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I, I guess they basically invented the whole story of like, uh, Darice failing to qualify for the summer, summer Olympics. And That's then, right. um, yeah, uh, basically Irv, he's been, trying to recruit for a bobsled team. And then there's like this weird idea to have a bobsled team from Jamaica, which, (laughs) you know, everyone is aware that Jamaica is, um, it's a tropical Island nation, uh, best known for, um, Rastafarians, uh, incredible food and Usain Bolt. Uh (laughs) Um, yeah, and lo- and and lots of ganj. And lots of ganj, yes. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and um, yeah. So uh, it 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 is a point of discussion in the film where like, uh, I think it was uh, Coffee that said like key elements to a successful sled team are steady driver and three strong runners to push off down the ice, ice, ice. <laughs> And then Doris like, well, it's kind of a winter sport, you know. And I was like, you mean winter, as in ice? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, possibly. And then like, you mean winter, as in igloos and Eskimos and penguins and ice? Yes. Maybe. See ya. See ya. <laughs> and of course, that first, uh, the first time John Candy like shows them all the, oh uh, yeah, yeah, all the film. <laughs> It's like it's like your bones will not break in a bobsled. No, <laughs> they will shatter. They shatter. <laughs> Shows <laughs> like this this like footage from past bobsledding, uh, bobsled yeah. runs where it's just like ooh the the twists and the turns and the wipeouts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So they. They train for the next, I think it's like six weeks because it's like, yeah, the, it's like, screw like actual uh, timeline continuity. The Olympics are six weeks away. We have enough time to train. Mm -hmm. And they do so in very comical and over the top fashion. Like they practice uh, getting into a a Volkswagen before they... (laughs) Do the slide. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, the best they could do in Jamaica is like, you, you know, they practice, uh, you know, playing push carts. That's right. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah. Uh, 
got their spirits up, you know. Um, it is it's still quite the uphill battle. And, uh, of course, run into, run into problems with money. Yes. And uh, they solve that problem when Junior decides to sell his car. Isn't yeah. that right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, there are so many different subplots in this movie. It's almost hard to keep track. It is. Um, but, you know, uh, eventually they come to the Winter Olympics and um, they, they come to the realization that obviously as a first time bobsledder, they can't. They, they they can't win, and like right. they're, they're, they're t- like some of them, you know, um, it's it's like there there's this lesson that comes up where it's like you know a gold medal is a wonderful thing, but if you're not enough without it, you'll never be enough with it. So like that's when like the team as a whole, you know, it's like you know what like Jamaican bobsled team sounds like a punchline to a joke, but you know we're just giving it the old. The old college try. I was just about to say that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, and when they uh, finally get to Calgary, um, they immediately run into the ire of the uh, the German team. Mm-hmm. I think it's the German team. Is it the German team or the Swiss team? I think Swiss, um, but they speak German, so that counts. Um, well, I yeah. think it's East yeah. Germany, too. Yeah, East Germany, that's right. Yeah. Although the the Swiss team, for whatever reason, does come up. I just can't remember the context. Because uh, Doris hears them over and over chanting, you know, Eins, zwei, drei. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now I remember, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, like, they said, like, you know, like, oh, you're not good enough. You're not supposed to be here. That kind of thing. Da, 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 da. Classic, you know, antagonistic cliches. Basically, if uh, the villain from The Karate Kid grew up and decided to become a, a bobsledder. Yeah. Why, why is it always, like, uh, German teams that are the bad guys in sports movies? I don't know. <laughs> it's classic, uh, you know, it's classic, you know, U.S. propaganda. You know, like, we kicked your ass twice already. We can do it again. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's 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 either Germans or Russian. Yeah. <laughs> because I guess the Cold War never ended. No. Well, have you seen who's in charge over here and there? Yeah. Um, yeah, they, it's like Trump is like a more retarded Reagan. (laughs) I didn't think that was even possible, but yeah, you're right. Yeah. It's like Reagan, when he was in office, he already had like brain parasites, but that's right. That he refused to admit at the time. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you know, he, he had an on staff astrologer. Oh, yeah, of course. An astrologer. Okay. And uh, would fall asleep yeah. in cabinet meetings. Yeah. 
to be honest, I res- I respect uh, a politician that has the audacity to sleep in meetings. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because even yes, because even he could say, "Yeah, I find this shit boring as well." Wake me up when something yeah. interesting happens. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure when they poked Reagan awake, I was like, oh, we get to bomb Afghanistan now? <laughs> yes, because that was all that was on his mind at the time. He like, you know, wait, let's see which country we're going to bomb next or which uh, group of people I can screw over this yeah. time around. Yeah. Um... That, that was my poor attempt at a Reagan uh, <laughs> voice, folks. I know, I know I'm nowhere near as good as... Um, as um as a who does a good reagan impersonation i have no idea um it was weird seeing alan rickman of all people play reagan in the butler (laughs) yeah i suppose that is kind of a weird role for alan rickman (laughs) yeah it's it it was so bizarre who they got in that film. Like Robin Williams was cast yeah. as White Eisenhower. Yeah. Well, um, you know, there there is a movie coming up with um, Christian Bale as Dick Cheney. Oh, God. And there's a picture of him just like overweight and smirking. Oh, Jesus, no. <laughs> And and like everyone's making fun of it as like, hey, my homie back there thinks you're cute. <laughs> and he's like, he's the type of like shy boy that, you know, hangs out at the back of the club, like just eyeing like some beautiful West Indian girl. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And speaking of uh, West Indian, uh, yeah, Cool Runnings. Um, you know, it's got that uh, Jimmy Cliff uh, cover. Uh, oh, I yeah. can see clearly now, which was a top 40 hit, I believe. It, it was, and, and um, I love that song. Yeah. I can see clearly now the, the rain, rain has gone. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. I can see all obstacles in my, in my way. way. Yeah, man. Yeah, Dun. man. <laughs> oh, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, yeah, as as you can obviously tell, we uh, we love this film. Yeah. And uh, we love the fact it. would you say it holds up? Nowadays, it still holds it up. Just, just in terms of like, a, you know, a, it's like your typical uh, underdog story. Yeah, you know, just like on entertainment value alone, it still holds up. There's a lot of great jokes in it, too. Um, my favorite is when they tried to uh, choose the name for the bobsled. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so what are we going <laughs> to name like, the sled? Um, Junior like, speaks up. Uh, How about Tallulah? And then Coffee replies, Tallulah. He just laughs and like, Tallulah? Sounds like a $2 hooker. Where you come up with that? And like just gets quiet and Junior says, it's my mother's name. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, it's like, Tallulah, that's a good name. Yeah, that's a good name. Yeah. 
and also uh, when Irv is like uh, d- describing the job of like who's in what and like he's like you know the driver basically has to memorize the entire course and like works harder than everybody else and then Sanka says like yeah let's make Darice the driver <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah. I love it. Like... <laughs> <laughs> oh. And then, of course, uh, uh, enough people say, you know, they can't believe Jamaica, we have a bobsled team. Oh, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> I and... remember that. It's. It's a good film. It's a really good film. It is. And, you know, might not have actually happened that way, but it's still an inspirational story. That's right. It's, uh, it definitely. I I am sure uh, clips of this movie is a fan favorite in corporate team building meetings. <laughs> Which company? Uh, all of them. All of them. Okay. Every, every single company from Deloitte to IBM to um, whatever other fucking multinational consulting firm. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, uh, on your first day of the job, instead of getting that really weird uh, training video, you just watch Cool Runnings. you probably get a lot more out of it. Honestly, <laughs> whichever company do- does that, sign me up. I want to be part of that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. But... It's gotten so popular to the fact that, you know, we now have a requisite Jamaican bobsled team at the Winter Olympics every time. Including uh, uh, in, in the last um, one that just ended, a uh, women's team. That's right. Also, this is an incredible, incredible fun fact. Um, having qualified for the 2014 Sochi Winter Olympics but lacking funding, the cryptocurrency Dogecoin community raised on the team's behalf $30,000 of the approximately 40000 required within two days. An online wow. campaign was set up seeking to raise an additional 80000 through Tilt.com. When it closed on 22nd of January 2014, the campaign had raised $129,687, uh, far surpassing the target. Wow. Yeah. So um, Dogecoin, the cryptocurrency, that's a that's a Bitcoin with the fucking Shiba Inu on it, basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, real life is. It, it's sometimes it's more bizarre than a, a typewriter, a, a room full of typewriter monkeys. <laughs> yeah cool runnings um you know this is probably the one movie that uh people should probably leave alone uh i don't know if anyone's uh trying to remake this but please don't please please do not please leave it as is for us 90s kids just sit back and enjoy the sweet nostalgia yeah um Besides John Candy, I don't think the cast uh, was particularly famous. Oh, well, that's not entirely true. I mean, the guy who played Darius actually has a oh, very yeah. successful career. Uh, what's it, uh, Leon. Leon. Yeah. 
Uh, man, I love guys whose names are mononymous. That's right. Like Leon or. Uh, no, he had a very Prince or. Yeah, basically single name yeah. people. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. But Leon has actually had a very successful career. He was a giant staple in the in the nineties. He was in yeah. Cool Runnings. He oh, was he was in, also in Oz. He was in Oz. He was in Cliffhanger. He was in Above the Rim. He was in The Temptations. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's uh, that's probably the other thing I really remember him from is him as David Ruffin. <laughs> uh, he did a great job yeah. with David Ruffin. Yeah. Temptations is <laughs> it's a good movie. It really is. I mean, technically, it's told from one of the members' point of view, so a little bit of liberties. Yeah. A little bit of artistic licenses have been taken, mm-hmm. but it's still a tremendous film. And that soundtrack, oof, of course, is amazing. I it's mean, nothing but Motown. Yeah, Motown. That's right. And you know what Leon's doing nowadays? He actually has his a uh, his own band. Yeah. Yeah. Leon and the Peoples. Interesting. That's right. And they sound they sound really good. I have to I have to check them out on Spotify. Yeah. Um. Yeah. What I like too about the movie is that it seems like all like the main characters like they they seem like they're actually friends or like they could actually work together. Absolutely. <laughs> Which is a key element no, you, in every good sport. You actually movie. believe exactly. <laughs> exactly, you believe all the. Uh, all the chemistry between them. Yeah. Um, so yeah, when they when they're picking on Junior, that's uh, <laughs> it's a real oh, shit. Like, it's like what, look in the mirror. What do you see? Yeah. <laughs> I see pride. I see power. I see a badass mother who don't take no crap from, from nobody. nobody. <laughs> oh man. You know what? That's great. Use it. Use it as motivation. The next yeah. time. <laughs> next time someone belittles you. Exactly. And of course, the the one that's uh, that's said several times in the movie. Sanka, you did. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> it's like... No, of that one scene where they are they on the ice oh, for yeah, the first yeah. time. Yeah. It's like and second just screams like, Oh Therese, I'm gonna kill you, man, I'm gonna kill you. And they finally crash the car. It's they crash the car, it's like it's like Psycho, you're dead. Yeah, man. Like, well, <laughs> you like you can pee now. Oh, too late. Too late. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah, man. Hell yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Like we said, man, holds up. Mm-hmm. Yes, it does. If you if you still still quote the film over twenty years later, then yes, it definitely holds up. Much like a certain certain other film on our list that features the somewhat ingenious act, and I don't think I've actually seen this before in the actual Olympics. Going back to figure skating here, mm-hmm. folks. Uh, uh, same sex uh, pairs figure skating. Yeah, um, 
I'm trying to think now whether or not um, same-sex figure skating actually has happened. I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, probably not. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, of course, we're talking about the uh, the incredibly hilarious Blades of Glory. Yeah, uh, Blades of Glory, starring anchorman Ron Burgundy and Napoleon Dynamite as That's two right. rivals who, well, work together. Uh, yeah, pretty much. It's a classic, you know, first act, I hate you, I hate you, I wish you would die. Second yeah. act, ah, damn it, we have to team up together? Boo, that sucks. Third act, yay, we won, we're awesome! Yeah. It's, um, it works in so many different levels. Um, romantic, sports, um, spy movie. Slapstick I comedy. Guess, slapstick, um, meet cute stories, um, Oh yeah, <laughs> strung out like fucking uh, Brooklyn stories. Yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, endlessly uh, tweakable. That's right, and it stars uh, Will Ferrell as Chaz Michael Michaels <laughs> and John Hader as uh, Jimmy McElroy. Yeah, and um, who have been uh, who've been banned from figure skating uh for the for the majority of their lives because they both they tied for first place at the 2002 winter olympics and because of an argument on the podium accidentally set the mascot on fire yeah <laughs> yeah and uh, and of course um uh the the William Fitchner guy, uh, actually played by William Fitchner, disowns his son <laughs> and leaves him stranded. That's right. The movie basically actually starts uh, years after the infamous mascot on fire incident. <laughs> <laughs> Which you would think, like, you know, that would be like, you know, Hall of Shame moment for every single year afterwards. It's like, hey, remember that time the mascot caught on fire? Yeah. <laughs> And, um, yeah, uh, you know, Jimmy wants to, uh, wants to compete again and discovers a, a loophole, uh, as told to him by Nick Swartzen that Ugh. you can, uh, compete in pair skating, even if you're banned in, you know, single skating. Right. So, uh, um, Craig T. Nelson enters the picture and, um, yeah, uh, things uh, conspire to bring uh, Chaz Michael Michaels and Jimmy McElroy together. Mm-hmm. And uh, eventually they become the first uh, same-sex pair team. That's right. And they spend all that time uh, trying to learn this move. Well, first off, trying to actually skate yeah, with yeah. each other. <laughs> and trying to learn this move called the Flying Lotus, in which Craig T. Nelson's character is said to have gone behind the bamboo curtain in North Korea to have uh, to have seen this move. Yeah. And the only time that it was ever tried, uh, the guy ended up ch- uh, decapitating his partner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
And apparently, uh, this you know, it's uh, it's convinced that this would work because of the physics of a same-sex team. And yeah, you know, take 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 that as you as you will. Uh huh. <laughs> sure, sure, yes. And their main antagonists are a brother-sister team played by Amy Poehler and Will Arnett, who were married at the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, They were Strons and Fairchild von Waldenberg. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So, well, I guess that's that's a... Dutch name, but you know, vaguely Germanic name means. Uh, I guess so. Means antagonist. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, and keep in mind, uh, Strons and Fairchild are brother and sister. This will be important later. Yeah. Yes. Definitely. And. So they get to the, the games, and of course, you know, they're immediately intimidated. And they they try and task their younger sister, Katie, to uh, try and break the team up in some way. Katie being played by uh, Pam from The Office. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Katie does succeed in breaking them up, albeit kind of on a technicality. Yeah. So, on a technicality. So they're basically saying, like, you know, like go in, you know, to try to break them up, but she winds up falling for for Jimmy, and they task her with trying to seduce a Chaz, who's a recovering sex addict. Um he goes he enters the enters the room, she's there wearing nothing but lingerie on. He says he can't he says he can't do it out of respect for Jimmy, but he still still gropes her breasts because we need conflict somehow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And of course Jimmy sees this and yeah, blows up. <laughs> it doesn't really blow up. He just keeps he, he saying the word impure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> impure. <laughs> it's like impure. Impure. <laughs> Um, which probably is what a person of like the John Hader type would do in that situation. Who kind of looks like uh, him, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, um, man. <laughs> but, yeah, so he leaves and Chaz pleads with him. Like, he calls him like 15 to 20 times that night, uh, and the day of the competition arrives, and you know Jimmy shows up to the. Uh, wait, no, 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 hang on. What is it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They uh, they trick uh, Strons and Fairchild trick them into thinking the uh, competition is actually at a different time mm-hmm. than it actually is. And Chaz has to uh, like like run through the streets of uh, of Mont run through the streets and the ice of Montreal and nothing but his, uh, his skates. And, uh, they lock up Jimmy in the bathroom and he's forced and they like handcuff him to the, to the bathroom. Yeah. And he's forced to, they leave the key on top of the, where the toilet paper is. And he basically uses his tongue to get the 
key. <laughs> that oh, that was, it was just so awkward. Yeah. And they finally they finally reach the competition. Uh, they perform very admirably at first, but then Fairchild throws one of her pearls from her performance onto the ice, causing Chaz to like twist his ankle, basically forcing them to do the move in reverse, meaning uh, they switch uh, each well, other's well, roles. They switch uh, each other's which roles. they've never and practiced before. No, and Jimmy is the one that's like now flying through the air and doing the dangerous maneuver, and they do it. They actually successfully do it with Jimmy only clipping uh, one of the hairs on Chaz's neck. Yeah. And they win. They win the gold medal. Yay, you know, go them. Uh, Much to the uh, chagrin of Strahan's and Fairchild, and... Strawn's in his uh, uh, anger, takes a crossbow, hoping to hit Chaz and Jimmy, but instead shoots it's... <laughs> shoots the mascot. Poor mascots, man. They get so much I shit. know. I know. Oh, such is the life. Yeah. Such is life. Such is life. And then, of course... Um... You know, Strands and Fairchild argue, and then, um, and then they and then they make out, and Ugh. and get arrested Ugh. by uh, the Mounties. Keep in mind, people, they are brother and sister. Yeah. So, okay, I think I just threw up a little in my mouth yeah. right there, but well, I mean, Star Wars did it first, you know, but it wasn't like yeah. That. No, it wasn't just... Mm. Okay, at what point did... At what point did George Lucas decide, like, hey, uh, Luke and Leia should be brother and sister? Uh, it was after... Um, it was after Empire Strikes Back and probably, like, the last minute of Return of the Jedi that he said, oh, they're actually brother and sister. Okay. <laughs> uh, because sure. Star Wars Deep Cut... Um, there was a novel that came out between A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back called Splinter of the Mind's Eye. And this is uh-huh. before uh, Harrison Ford decides, like, fuck it, I, I, I'll come back. Because it's a thing with Harrison Ford to be like, George, uh, I'm not doing this movie. And then eventually, yeah, I'm doing this movie. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, well, shit, they probably paid him, like, a whole lot of money. Yeah. Um, so... This movie, uh, this novel, uh, Splinter of the Mind's Eye, uh, basically it like takes a inspiration from a story idea George had for a possible sequel where they had no budget and no Harrison Ford and I think no Chewbacca either. So it's literally just Luke and Leia, and uh-huh. in the novel, like uh, they they're basically stuck on a planet try to find like some Jedi doodad or whatever. And <laughs> there there's paragraphs of Luke lovingly looking at his twin sister changing and like, Oh, like this oh. tension when, when they're like together, like in enclosed spaces and like Leia also feels something too. 
And then, of course, uh, Return of the Jedi came out. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Sure. All right. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, so um, everyone complaining about whether the prequels or the sequels like destroyed or tarnished the Star Wars legacy, there is no fucking Star Wars legacy. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> and first of all, before that Splinter of the Mind's Eye uh, came out, um, there was a Star Wars holiday special. Oh, please don't get me started which on that. Oh. took a giant steaming dump on Star Wars even before Empire Strikes Back came out. Yeah. Um, it was like the purest fucking cow pie on Star Wars ever made. <laughs> the only thing that George Lucas says he's personally ashamed of. Yeah. So Blades of Glory... Um, I think it's best remembered for uh, the quote in uh, Kanye West and Jay-Z's incredible smash hit uh, played 25 times at the end of their joint tour, uh, Niggas in Paris. That's right. I was there. Folks, I was there in L.A. at the Staples Center watching them perform it 10 times in a row. After the fifth time, I was like, Really? You're doing this again? Yeah. Yeah, at the end, it was just like, they're just saying, ball so hard, and then just let the crowd do the rest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Nah. But man, you know, Watch the Throne is fucking solid as hell. There, There's one song I really love off Watch the Throne. It's uh, No Church in the Wild. Oh, yeah. No Church in the Wild. Um, the one with the Nina Simone sample. I think that's Nina that's Simone, right. right? And um, made it in America. That's right. It's yeah. I mean, everyone, I guess, knows Kanye best for his uh, actions. But regret as as painful as it is to admit, he is friggin' genius. He is. And hey, man, he uh, college graduate, uh, college dropout and graduation, still some of the best fucking early 2000s hip hop. You're missing late registration, man. Late registration, late, too, yeah. Late registration, in my opinion, is the best one. Yeah. Oh, I do I do love the fucking skits in that, on that album, though. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> we broke, 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 five broke. We ain't got it. I love the video he did for uh, "Touch the Sky." Oh yeah, just happened to have <laughs> him as like evil Knievel. Was... Yeah, uh, evil Knievel. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it was him. It was Nia Long. It was Tracy Ellis Ross, and it was Pam Anderson. Pam Anderson. Yeah, snapshot of early two thousands. I guess this is the final uh, Winter Olympic film that we'll talk about. Yeah. It's uh, also based on a true story. Aren't they all? Yeah. Talking about <laughs> the, again, an underdog story, because of course they all are, uh, of the U.S. men's hockey team at That's the right. 1980 Winter Olympics. And the 
world-famous Miracle on Ice. That's right, in which the heavily underdog, the U.S. squad, which was basically a group of college kids at the time, took on the mighty Soviet Union, who had won every single gold medal at the Olympics since 19, I think it was 1964. Yeah, they won like five of six previous Winter Olympic Games. (laughs) That they did. That they did. And even in an early exhibition game, they trounced the U.S. 10 to 3. So, yeah. And, of course, the Russians take the early lead. But the U.S., with hard work, grit, and determination, uh, come back and beat beat the Soviets and win. And what's interesting, most people think that was the end of it. No, they no. <laughs> didn't actually. They didn't actually win the gold medal after that game. They had to beat another team to do it. Yeah, they had to beat Czechoslovakia. Actually, no, they beat Finland. Was it? I thought it was Czechoslovakia. No. It oh was yeah, Finland. Finland. Yeah. It's like nobody remembers that game. It's like, eh, like U.S. We beat the Russians. We're yeah. invincible. We're awesome. And then they went on to beat Finland four two and win the gold medal. Yeah. Well, you know, um, it is, I guess, the moral victory of the nineteen eighties uh, Winter Olympics team. Because uh, of course, yeah, uh, everything has to be viewed through the lens of the Cold War. Otherwise. Um, that's right. Otherwise, nothing exists. Even today, everything has to be viewed through the lens of the Cold War. Because... Absolutely. As Francis Fukuyama said, um, we have we are living basically at the end of history. In, mm-hmm. the, in the sense that history is a contestation of ideologies. We basically peaked at the triumph of neoliberal capitalism over uh, communism. And then uh, 20 years after that book was published, there's a giant fucking crash in the market. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you know, um, Snake Plissken is the coach of uh, Uh the men's hockey team. Um, He was the University of Minnesota head coach before he came on to the USOC. And um, that's right. Yeah, basically, Coach I guess. Herb Brooks. Um, you know, uh, he he's discussing all these like strategies and different practice schedules and like bringing into like the political dynamic and context of like the importance of succeeding in the Winter Olympics. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And the thing that interests me and the thing that you know the commercials and the trailer kept hyping up was the relationship between all the players because many of them had played against each other in college. Like they played for the Minnesota, they, they played for Minnesota, they played for, you know, they played for Boston, they played for this team, they played for that team, but they were forced to come together, you know, as one team as like the, as the American team. Yeah. And there's that one moment, there's that one moment, like after they do, uh, wait, what's that thing? Uh, Herbie's mm. in which they, uh, basically skate up and down uh, the ice for an infinite amount of time, basically the uh, the hockey equivalent of suicides. Um, mm. 
And uh, basically, after one exhausting run, there's a guy who just screams out, like, you know, like one of the guys, like, he screams, like, you know, Mike Arruzzione. It's like, I'm from Massachusetts. <laughs> and and uh, like, like Herb Brooks, like, it's like, who do you play for? It's like, I play for United States of America. Hell yeah. Bro. It's like, okay. It's like, that was kind of a cheesy moment, but still in the grand scheme of things, it's like, yeah, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. I feel like, you know, every sports movie goes through that arc and eventually has like the incredibly cheesy, like swelling orchestral music moment or like <laughs> coming together moment. That's right. Even Cool Runnings had that. And of course, you of know, course. classics like Remember the Titans mm-hmm. and uh, Mighty Ducks, another hockey yep. movie. Yep. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a perpetual trope that is, it really uh, is. <laughs> it, you know, just a movie is just not, it, it lacks a je ne sais quoi without it. Exactly. <laughs> and, <laughs> but Miracle, I feel like once you skip past, like, you know, the 20 or 25 minutes of exposition, and you get down to the actual nitty gritty of it, the hockey scenes. It's actually a damn good film. Yeah, yeah. Maybe if they just focused entirely on the hockey instead of one of the behind the scenes aspect. But you know, I get it. You know, mm-hmm. like you have to have conflict somehow. You have to have plot. You can't just say like you know, here let's just show the the hockey team beating the Soviets and that's it. We can watch that on YouTube until. Until we're blue in the face, until we're a hundred years old. Yeah, and um, you know, I mean, yeah, obviously, uh, watching a hockey game is entertaining, but like the story arc of the movie does like work if a little cheesy, you know. It's it does build up to like that incredibly tense game with the Soviet Union. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's interesting in that. In that game, in that game, the Soviets, like I said, were dominating like pretty early on. But after I think it was after the first or second period, they removed their uh, their top goalie Vladislav Tretiak, yeah, and replaced them with a, a backup for some reason. Mm-hmm. I think <laughs> you know that that kind of shows like the hubris of the Soviet Union team because like. Yeah, um, we don't need our our best player to to beat the Americans. That's right. Oh yeah, no, it was a uh, tied two two after the first, first, and then they replaced the goalie. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is interesting. Yeah, second period, the the Soviet Union scored a goal. Uh-huh. And then of course the third uh, third period is where everything comes to a head. That's right. That's where Mark Johnson scored the tying goal, then Mike Garuzioni, the guy who made the big dramatic speech earlier, he <laughs> understandably scores the game-winning goal. Um yeah. but with like 10 minutes to play, like can you imagine like playing, you know, 10 straight minutes of defense with like a 4-3 lead? Mhm. Damn, you know. Yeah, it's like 
like fuck that's probably the most jesus the most intense 10 minutes of their lives yeah yeah <laughs> can't imagine how that must actually feel imagine calling the game imagine being al michaels you know calling that game well you know, you know uh there's that famous quote that gave the the incident the name it's like do you believe in miracles that's right yes yeah <laughs> oh my god and the fact that you know like the mighty soviet union was vanquished in one aspect and mm-hmm. it was done at home during the olympics you couldn't have like <laughs> you couldn't have written a better script than that yeah it's uh yeah it's poetic justice basically it really is um, but of course, uh, they kind of like shove off like the footnote of like, um, the U S beating Finland. I know it, they just say like, you know, oh yeah. And two days later, the, uh, the U S beat Finland. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I guess, you know, it's, it's not as cool, uh, that the U S beat Finland cause Finland are not part of the Soviet Union, so it's not as uh, right. it's it's not as uh, poetic. I know you can't just say like you know, uh, and like the mighty U.S. going up against uh, Finland. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, of course, uh, the Finland hockey team is no joke. I mean, that's probably all they get to play up there. Well, that and every other winter sport, yeah. like cross ever. country skiing, um, <laughs> skating, bobsled, bobsledding, uh, reindeer games. <laughs> I don't know what uh, what what are the fucking winter Olympic sports? What are they? Um, Nowadays, it's basically a combination of regular Winter Olympic sports and X Games. Yeah. And now they got like yeah, snowboarding. Skiing, snowboarding. But yeah, it's basically a combination of skiing. It's skiing, figure skating, hockey, bobsled, and uh, snowboarding. Yeah. Um, there's a, a luge, um, something called skeleton. Which is basically luge, but on your stomach. <laughs> uh, biathlon. Uh, that seems to be something people like, I guess. I think it's uh, sprinting and shooting, right? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of interesting. Yeah, well, um, I've never willingly watched... Uh, a winter Olympic broadcast in my life, and I'm not about to start. <laughs> yeah, it's just something that happens to be on in the background. Yeah, I mean, I, I take the same principle with same approach with the actual Olympics. Um, well, it's it's a thing to talk about. Um, I don't necessarily watch it. No, no, I understand. It's definitely something to talk about in the water cooler the very next day. 
But because, you know, because we're here and the Olympics usually happen to be in like, you know, some far off uh, country, you know, we can just get the results online right away. We don't have to wait until the broadcast. Yeah. Um, Well, because I was, I basically live in the same time zone as Pyeongchang now. Uh Um, It was on pretty much when it was actually on. So I could have watched um, hockey or something when it was on. Yeah. Um, Here's a list of people who participated in 2018 and have not participated before, I believe. Uh, Ghana. Ecuador, Ghana. Okay. Colombia. All uh, right. Well, I guess Colombia, they have mountains. Uh, Bolivia. Uh, <laughs> fair enough. That's your reasoning behind it. Fair enough. Bolivia is a Andy, Andean country. That probably makes uh-huh. sense. Okay. Uh, Madagascar. <laughs> Nigeria. Uh, South Africa. And uh, Ecuador. And of course, uh, the United Korea team and uh, Olympic athletes from Russia. Oh, that's right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Because uh, apparently the Russians were not allowed to participate, but uh, the people from Russia are allowed. Okay, and a few of them got popped with uh, doping scandals anyways. Yeah, including uh, curling, as we mentioned, which I, I'm not sure like where the drugs come in. How is that even possible? Yeah. It's like now I've seen everything. Yeah, I, no fucking idea. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I guess the the official debuts are Ecuador, Eritrea, Kosovo, Malaysia, Nigeria, and Singapore. Again, um, I have no idea where the Singaporean athletes or athlete uh, practices. <laughs> probably, <laughs> probably the same thing as a Tongan guy. They just live in another country. Okay. Oh man. Yeah, um, that's pretty much it for all the uh, all the Winter Olympics films. We probably missed some. Uh, I'm sure we did. Yeah, not sure what else. Uh, not sure what else I mean, uh, is out there. If you if you technically want to get technical, if you want to get technical about it. Um, could you include the Mighty Ducks in this list? I guess. Um, it's an it's an Olympic sport, and um, yeah, it's in a kind of like a, uh, pseudo Olympic competition. Oh, that's right, the uh, Junior Goodwill Games. Yeah, it's it's an international competition, you know. I guess. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. 
So, uh, what, yeah. is, what is the future of um, Winter Olympics films? Um, there has to be a curling movie. Yeah. There has to be a curling movie. Please <laughs> let there be one. Anything. <laughs> I dare filmmakers out there to try and make a movie about curling. Make that sport as fucking exciting as you can. Well, I'm talking yeah. action shots, people. Acting action shots revolving around curling. All right. Well, um, this has been another episode of questions like this. Uh, we talked about some of the some of the notable Winter Olympics films uh, from last year's I Tanya to well, basically the one that we remember most fondly, uh, Cool Runnings. Uh huh. And yeah, um, every single one of them except Blades of Glory, <laughs> uh, more or less based on something that happened. But um, yeah, hey, um, Blades of Glory might still happen. It might. You never know. And uh, yeah, we'll be closing out with the song from Cool Runnings, uh, Jimmy Cliff's cover of "I Can See Clearly Now." Mm-hmm. And, yeah, um, my name is Aristo. And I'm Alex. And join us next time for another insightful investigation uh, made possible by viewers like you. Thank you. Take care, everybody.